the whole time as I'm going through this evolutionary process, trying to bring new technology in, how do you mm -hmm. lower healthcare costs? What I came very quickly to realize was that we were really on the wrong side of the power curve in healthcare, meaning mm -hmm. that we have a very good system when you're sick. We can fix almost anything when you're sick. Mm -hmm. However, we do a very poor job at detecting what you're going to get sick of, mm -hmm. and then how do we avoid it from the very beginning? So I always use this analogy of an airline pilot, right? Mm -hmm. So we, we send airline pilots to the simulator to do what? To learn what happens when there's an emergency, yeah. when the wing fall, when the wheel falls off, you know, how do we land the plane? You know, what happens when the engine catches on fire? Mm -hmm. But quite frankly, it never does. Right. So what is he really paid to do? He's paid to make sure he gets you to your destination and he adjusts the flight plan to make it nice and smooth, right? right? Mm -hmm. But in healthcare, we have a totally different system. We have a system that kind of waits until you break. Mm -hmm. We wait until the wheel falls off, until the engine's on fire, and then we roll in with techniques to fix it. And we're great at that. Right. But it turns out the technology's at a point now that is so amazing that we'll be able to detect disease before it strikes you and reverse it in many mm -hmm. instances. And so by doing that, we can lower healthcare costs dramatically and it really improve quality of people. This is a big, big day. So if you're listening, this is going to be a Monday episode. And Mondays, as you know, we bring in guests. Surprise, this week we actually have two guests on the show. I'm going to first introduce the guest to my second right, Darren Woodson, three-time Super Bowl champ, five-time Pro Bowler, Cowboys. Ring I knew you were going to do this. He's back, I knew you were going to do this. Darren, thank you so oh, much man. for joining us today. We're excited to hear your so story good. about you, can't who wait you are, it. where you've been. I'll, I'll probably cry during this episode, but it's been a good time. It's been a long time, fellas. Oh, it was, it was different energy today. Yeah, with you here. It's, it's, it's a different vibe. I'm yeah. not here because of you. Yeah. Well, what's well, a little I'm more here because of the guests today. Leave that yeah. part out. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. Go. Well, our real guests yeah. uh, here, we're, we're extremely excited about this. So um, Dr. Cap has become a good friend of ours, um, and, and we're blown away at what Dr. Cap is doing and the impact that he's making uh, really nationally and, and globally uh, with, with the mission that he's in. We're going to get into that. Uh, but Dr. Cap, uh, Dr. William Cap is an orthopedic surgeon by trade. Um, he owns and manages multiple hospitals around the country mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. is the founder, one of the founders of Fountain Life, which we're going to dig into. And I'm going to say it one more time, Fountain Life. If you have mm -hmm. not heard of this organization, uh, go look it up. Um, listen to the rest of this episode first, but go look it up because this is going to change the way we look yeah. at healthcare. Yeah. Um, but Dr. Cap, thank you so much for taking some time. Crazy schedule. We we're just talking about the world tour mm -hmm. that he's on right now. So we appreciate uh, you taking time physically to come in and join us. Well, thank you for allowing me to be here. It's great. Um, great company. Yeah. Appreciate that. About Why'd time. you look at Darren? It took a little yeah. while. Why'd you ask you use your shoulder any better, by the way? <laughs> yes. Thank it God. Is. It's better. So that's yeah. Well, we got a lot. We got work to do. I gotta we got get work back. to do. We got work to do. Work yeah, to do. Yeah, I'm not going to let you go. Well, it's all those years <laughs> of not, abuse that we had to, yeah. we had to get you turned around. I was just thinking about this the other yeah. day, Dr. Captain. I thought about you guys, and I've been playing. I'm 50. I just turned 53. 
All right. They're going to say Damn. something. Damn. You're just a baby. Just, just a baby, baby right? I've been playing football since I was seven years old. And I started to think about all the trauma that has taken place with my body over all those years, right? And then within that process, I was thinking, man, Dr. Cap got a lot of work to do, brother. <laughs> you got some work to put in, We man. call that recurrent business. <laughs> so it works out well. Yeah, that's so. that subscription model with this guy. <laughs> That's a SAS model. A SAS model. <laughs> like I that. am my own. I'm a walking SAS <laughs> exactly. model for, for Fountain Light. Yeah. That'll work out. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, Dr. Cap, let's, we, we like to start back to, to give our listeners some insight to, to who you are, where you came from. So let's, let's go back to the beginning, uh, where you're born, where you're raised, kind of family dynamic with your parents. Um, and then, I mean, really some of the things, maybe some of the events that you went through and experienced that made you who you are today. Sure. Wow. That's a big topic. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you have three minutes to get it. Three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so <clears throat> I'm one of three children. My dad was an airline pilot. He was a Navy pilot. Uh, grew up in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Was born in New York. And then we quickly went to Japan uh, as part of the Navy. Um, got interested in medicine because my uh, uncle was an ophthalmologist. And uh, he was the first and the youngest graduate from medical school from Puerto Rico. Uh, and he came to Emory University mm. and graduated when he was 17. Oh. From medical school, wow. or from college. college. Oh. Medical school from at age 20. It was in private practice at like age 21. What did you 22. do, Tyler? <laughs> <laughs> when did you graduate from Fresno I State? Was, I was dissecting uh, Keystone Light boxes at that point. Right there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a high bar, just put it that way. So, um, so he, I got interested in medicine. I was interested in science. And so um, swam, you know, competitively when I was younger. And was always interested in, you know, how the human body works and the science side of it. So um, went to med school, uh, got a degree in genetics as well while we were along the path. And then I got really interested in orthopedics because the idea was uh, in orthopedics, we weren't dealing with chronic disease. It was, a, uh, you know, something you could actually fix. Right. And uh, dealing with athletes who were motivated. So I did a lot in sports medicine. I actually did all my orthopedic training at Baylor in Houston. Oh. So um, yeah. did my... Uh, all my orthopedic training down there and finished in 94, 95. Okay. And then got recruited to St. Louis uh, and then to a small town south of St. Louis called Cape Girardeau, Missouri, mm -hmm. where uh, Southeast Missouri State was looking for a team physician. So uh, this is a D1 school. Mm -hmm. And we built um, a group of hospital or clinics there, I should say, uh, starting in that small town. Then we built five clinics and then we built nine hospitals uh, mm -hmm. outside of the United States or mm -hmm. out, outside of Cape Girardeau around the U.S., uh, but the whole time as I'm going through this evolutionary process, trying to bring new technology in, how do mm -hmm. you lower healthcare costs? What I came very quickly to realize was that we were really on the wrong side of the power curve in healthcare, meaning mm -hmm. that we have a very good system when you're sick. We can fix almost anything when you're sick. Mm -hmm. However, we do a very poor job at detecting what you're going to get sick of mm -hmm. and then how do we avoid it from the very beginning. So. I always use this analogy of an airline pilot, right? Mm -hmm. So we, we send airline pilots to the simulator to do what? To learn what happens when there's an emergency, yeah. when the wing fall, when the wheel falls off, you know, how do we land the plane? You know, what happens when the engine catches on fire? Mm -hmm. But quite frankly, it never does. Right. So what is he really paid to do? He's paid to make sure he gets you to your destination and he adjusts the flight plan to make it nice and smooth, right? right? Mm -hmm. But in healthcare, we have a totally different system. We have a system that kind of waits until you break. Mm -hmm. We wait until the wheel falls off, until the engine's on fire, 
and then we roll in with techniques to fix it. And we're great at that. Right. But it turns out the technology is at a point now that is so amazing that we'll be able to detect disease before it strikes you and reverse it in many mm-hmm. instances. And so by doing that, we can lower healthcare costs dramatically and it really improve quality of people's so lives. So when does that change? And I know there's so much to peel back here <laughs> yeah. on this. Yeah. But I need to just ask this question quickly here. Is When did that change? When is it that this mindset of you know, being preventative started to really come to the forefront? So there have been leaders in the field long before me, mm-hmm. okay? I think um, what has happened, I mean, there have been people championing, uh, championing you know, plant-based diets, yep. wellness, exercise. Mm-hmm. That's been around for a long time. Historically, it's around thousands of years. Mm-hmm. You look to Eastern medicine, lots of wellness in Eastern medicine, mm-hmm. right? But what happened as we've moved into Western medicine, which was, the, it's the, really the core of what worldwide medicine is today, is what we would call Western medicine. Uh, it was because we didn't have answers to various difficult scientific questions, and we mm-hmm. couldn't prove all the different treatments inside of Eastern medicine, mm-hmm. right? So what did we do? We took the human body, which is a very complex collection of 80 trillion cells, and we broke it up into pieces, and we gave everyone a different piece, right? Mm-hmm. The orthopedist got the bones, you know, the neurologist yeah. got the brains, the, you know, the uh, heart doctors got their piece. Everybody got a piece, mm-hmm. and we studied it, which was great because we mm-hmm. learned a lot. But mm-hmm. in somewhere in the process, we lost the quarterback, mm-hmm. right? We didn't mm-hmm. have one person to look at all the pieces and put them back together. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so now that we know kind of how all the pieces fit together, mm-hmm. um, we're looking at this new evolution of technology and it's timing probably more than anything else mm-hmm. that it for the first time the technology that we use to treat you when you're sick it turns out is much better to detect disease before you become sick mm-hmm. so we have these advanced mri scanners we've got cardiac scanners uh, we've got uh, ways to sequence your genome we've got all of this stuff which is amazing when you get sick you have, so this classic case somebody has a heart attack you know we can take them to the operating room or take them to the cath suite. We can check out all their arteries, figure out what's blocked, what's not blocked, put a stent in there, do a bypass. But that disease process started years mm-hmm. earlier. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of this starts years earlier. People don't just show up with stage four cancer. Mm-hmm. Right. Fortunately, you know, one of the drivers for me is my mom because my mom uh, was diagnosed with stage four ovarian cancer and she died three years ago. Right. But when she was picked up, it was already late stage. And yet we do nothing to like look inside the body. We do nothing to screen for cancer other than some very simple tests that everybody undergoes at certain ages. But the problem is even those tests are relatively old tests. Mm-hmm. And yet the technology, because of the advent of computers and robotics and AI and advanced genomic sequencing is finally at a point that with the convergence of those technologies, literally over the last five years, allows us to develop a whole new model for healthcare mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. emphasizes detecting processes long before they start or become advanced mm-hmm. and starting the ability to reverse that. And so we could talk about that, but there's technology to reverse heart disease now. There's technology to reverse Alzheimer's. Wow. There's technology to reverse uh, all kinds of vascular problems that are going on in your bodies. Uh, there's technology to, re- obviously, you know, it's very common. We can reverse type 2 diabetes now. Mm-hmm. And then there's a whole litany of new stem cell therapies that are on the horizon that are in the lab today to reverse type 1 diabetes. I mean, we're talking about making major changes in how 
the U.S. population and worldwide how we're going to get our health care. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's got to be, that's so much disruptive, though. I mean, you're mm -hmm. talking about something that's, there's going to be arguments, fights about, you know, on the pharmaceutical side. There's oh. going to be, this is going to be all-out war if we're going that yeah, direction, I think, right? I think, too, it's, it's not only, yes, you've got, one, you've got political blockades. Two, you've got pharmaceutical blockades. Mm -hmm. Three, you've got education blockades. And then four, I think, which is the biggest, is just changing the mindset of the culture. Because when, what is, what is the, what, what is another massive, massive wellness industry? The, the nutrition diet industry, mm -hmm. right? And you put fitness in that, whatever. But when do people, we as a country, because we've gotten so comfortable and we've, life has become so easy, is we don't address the issue until it's a problem until it's in, mm -hmm. it's impacting our life. I'm not going to lose the weight until something happens where it's like, I can't do the things that I want to do. Now I'll address mm -hmm. it. I think the number one mindset is, and I want, I want you to talk because, because y'all address this because it's, it's what it does on the backside of it, right? We're immediate gratification. Like I would much rather eat this bag of chips than go make a salad. I would much rather uh, go experience this right now and then put off the hard work until later. Um, but I, I think that's a big thing that we've got to shift as a, as a culture and as a country because the benefits on the other side of it are massive. And what, what y'all are, are your goal and, and one of the first meetings that we had was, you know, hey, listen, like there's no reason that we as people – should not live to and past a hundred and live well beyond mm, that. Yeah. Now we've got a ways to go because, you know, and I want you to say it, I don't want to come from my, my mouth, but most, most deaths or diseases, diseases are what percentage genetic and what percentage environmental? Yeah. So, I mean, this is a big common misnomer. Everybody assumes that just because you have that bad genes, that's yeah. just destiny and there's yeah. nothing you can do. And what we know is that is, Nothing further from the truth. Yeah. Uh, we just, one of our advisors, Dr. Eric Verdin from the Buck Institute, will tell you that longevity is about 7% gen uh, genetic, 93% is environment. Oh, wow. Mm, right? So it's not mm. like you're born with the genes of youth. Mm. Okay. What it turns out is what we know from work done by Dr. David Sinclair uh, in his yeah. work, The Information Theory of Aging, is that the genes of youth get turned off over time due to inflammation impacting your DNA. Mm -hmm. And so the trick is to reset that. Now, the hard part is behavioral change. And yeah. part of the problem is that your doctor doesn't do a very good job at telling you what behaviors you need to employ to optimize your health. Mm -hmm. Because we're still looking at a very limited data set. So number one, you need more data. Number two is behavioral change needs to have what I call a continuous feedback loop. Meaning that unless you can see changes yeah. on a relatively immediate basis, your behavior won't change very much. Yeah. However, we've got technology now. I mean, obviously the Apple Watch and we've got the Whoopstraps and all of the other different devices. Yeah. But there's a technology we really like called the continuous blood glucose monitor, which is, was pioneered for diabetics. It's a little tiny button, you wear it out on the back of your arm and it literally tracks your blood sugar 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mm. And it does it every 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And so people wear it. A lot of athletes are wearing it now because uh, the next iteration of that this summer will come out. Not only will it measure your blood sugar, it'll measure uh, ketones and it'll measure lactone, lactic acid. Mm -hmm. So you can then optimize your training regimens. But what we like about it is that 
instead of going to the doctor to get your blood drawn, which nobody really likes, right. this really sits on the back of your arm and basically collects that data, feeds it into our app, if you will, or it, there's an app that the company makes uh, called, uh, there's a couple of companies that make that device, but you can check your blood sugar at any time you want to check it during the day. Mm-hmm. You just turn your cell phone on, wave it over this continuous blood glucose monitor, and you'll find what your blood sugar is. So what does that do? That basically starts to give you immediate feedback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is, to, is my behavior, i.e., did I eat that bag of chips, you know, yeah. or did that salad, which one spiked my blood sugar oh, and which wow. one didn't, yeah. right. right? So now you have the information, and now you get to start to become the CEO of your own health. Yes. Right. Because we think you need to be the CEO of your own health. Otherwise, you're basically outsourcing it to a largely disinterested third party or third party yeah. system, yeah, mm-hmm. right? Because you're being treated, we, we think everybody should be treated as an N of one, mm-hmm. right? We should have a customized solution for your health, but yet we're obsessed with this idea of population health. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Meaning as long as it's good for everybody, the majority of, in, in a population, then it's good for, right. we'll, we'll take the outliers and we're yeah. not, we're not gonna win on those, but yet what if I'm an outlier? Mm-hmm. I'd mm-hmm. rather have a custom solution for me. And so I think this idea of feedback loop is important. I think the other thing that is going to happen over the next uh, five to 10 years is we're really going to see the advent uh, or the rise further of the millennial population in starting to take control of healthcare in the United States because uh, the last millennial just graduated from college. They're now entering the labor force mm-hmm. in large numbers. It's the largest group demographically by far. Mm-hmm. There's probably less than 55 million baby boomers left at this mm-hmm. point. Sorry, and, D. <clears throat> there you go. What's and the th- one before baby boomers? Gen X. Uh, <laughs> You're be a Gen X. He's a Gen X, and I'm on the cusp, so okay. I can appreciate that. I don't that. listen to him, though. <laughs> so if you were born in the Great Depression, what would that make you? <laughs> dust. Yeah. <laughs> make you dust. That's what I feel like. Yeah. Uh, but if you think about it, the millennials, uh, and I know, uh, you know, there are a lot of jokes made about the millennials. I have three. I've raised three. But I will tell you, they're the most data-centric, and they grew up with a cell phone in their hand. Mm-hmm. And they want immediate feedback data, and they don't understand why they can't get their health care on their phone on demand all yeah. the time. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, you know, that book that we have sitting on top, Atomic Habits, talks about that you need that immediate, you're using the desire of human nature to have Instant gratification, you're yeah. using that with a blood glucose monitor in this yeah. example. Exactly. Yeah. Talk to the people. Let's go down that, that for that example. Why is that such an important number to understand? Why do we need to know what our blood glucose is at any given time? Yeah, so if, if we look at any of your blood biomarkers that we routinely follow in mm-hmm. a doctor's office, the one that is the most associated with disease long-term and it's accelerated aging is blood sugar. Mm. Mm. If you look at all the AI studies, when we look at massive data sets and we look at what is it that's accelerating aging the most, it's actually elevated blood sugar. Mm. And so in the United States today, we've got about 40% of the population is either diabetic or Mm pre-diabetic currently. 40%. 40%. That's amazing. And and climbing, Mm -hmm. right? Because, and and people say, well, you know, there there are myriad of reasons for it. It's not genetics, Mm -hmm. okay? Genetics may have a small role. Yeah. But this is environmental. Yeah. So meaning if you're pre-diabetic, you're pre-diabetic for a reason. Mm -hmm. And you can reverse it. Even if you're a type 2 diabetic, you can reverse it. Mm -hmm. So the idea of having to be on a pill or an insulin shot for the rest of your life with all the negative side effects doesn't have to occur. But the health system today that we have largely pays doctors to treat you when you're sick. Mm -hmm. So we're not going to pay your doctor to treat you when you're what but, to keep you out of harm's mm-hmm, way but mm-hmm. also too not putting in front of you because that's reoccurring revenue you having to come back and buy yep. insulin 
every single month for the rest of your life is more revenue as opposed to, Hey, we're going to give you, we're going to use the the new technology that's available. We're going to let you monitor, control your health. Uh, there you go. Don't need to come back here anymore. I mean, that's totally contrary to what the healthcare system is pushing right now. Yeah. And that's true. And I think, so you ask about the continuous blood glucose monitor. Turns out if you can keep your blood sugar under 120, even after you eat, you will almost invariably lose weight. If huh. somebody's overweight wow. and they keep their blood sugar that 20 is... or below, they will almost invariably lose weight. If you want to be optimally healthy, okay, everybody thinks it's, uh, you know, we always say anything over 100. So, so you have to understand Doctors have gotten so used to looking at uh, what I call sick care labs that we don't even understand what a real healthy normal looks like. Mm-hmm. So when they tell you, well, your blood sugar, fasting blood sugar is 106, well, that's not that bad. Maybe you're a little bit pre-diabetic, your hemoglobin A1C is a little elevated, but you know, maybe just get some exercise and you're fine. Well, it turns out if you really want to be healthy, your fasting blood sugar should be 95 or less. Okay. And if it's not and your fast and your hemoglobin A1C should probably be about below five for sure. And yet we don't really teach that in medical school because we're used to treating diabetes, Mm -hmm. not used to keeping you on the road from getting diabetes in the first place. But behavioral change, as a physician and you're seeing me in the office every three months, I'm not going to elicit behavioral change. You have to do that on your own. But if I can give you an immediate feedback loop, it says yeah. my blood sugar didn't spike over 120. Okay, I can eat that again. Mm-hmm. Okay. And by the way, a lot of this technology is available, but a lot of doctors won't prescribe it unless you're a diabetic or pre-diabetic. So you have to already be diabetic for them to prescribe it. Because, because insurance doesn't cover it. Yeah. Mm. Right. So the question is, how do you get access to this technology uh, when you want to use it for proactive care? Mm-hmm. Okay. And mm-hmm. so there are companies out there doing that now. Right. There, mm. You can online, get them all, sign up. I mean, we've seen... You can sign up for anything online today. I mean, obviously all the sexual wellness stuff, mm-hmm. you know, hymns, hers, all of that, where you can directly order that from a physician. You can actually order those continuous blood glucose monitors from groups like Levels Health today, which is a, a great firm. And that was founded by a young guy who wanted a continuous blood glucose monitor. His doctor wouldn't give it to him. Mm-hmm. So he said, well, I don't understand. I'm pre-diabetic. You told me I'm pre-diabetic. You won't sell me the device. Right. Well, insurance doesn't cover it. He goes, well, I'll pay cash. He goes, well, I'm still not going to write the prescription. Wow. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm, yeah. And so the point is, that the, the, if the doctors think in, the, in the, the system right now is the arbiter of what kind of technology you get when it's available, and, and we can talk about that because there's amazing new technology today that is not paid for by insurance companies, even though it's FDA approved. All right, I want to take a quick minute to talk about our partner, Choctaw Casino and Resort. Uh, we are really, really humbled uh, and grateful to be a partner for them. If you've listened to the show for any amount of time, uh, you've heard how great the resort is there, how great the casino is, the new expansion. They've doubled in size, 3,000 new slots. They've got unbelievable sports bar. They've got unbelievable restaurants, unbelievable movie theaters, arcades for kids. It is endless, the things that they've not only improved but added. Um, but it's just an the, the experience that they provide is second to none. Choctaw Nation has done an incredible job with the community, with philanthropy, with support. Um, they have just done incredible things. So we are extremely humbled and grateful to partner with Choctaw Casino and Resort. Make sure, I know you know it, it's just a short drive of 75. Go check them out. And now back to the episode. And that's my, here's my question though. So that, that it's not, you know, approved through insurance companies. 
is it affordable? And I'm speaking through, you know, especially you know, on the diabetic side, because the African community has been ravaged by di- diabetes. And a lot of it is just because no resources, lack of nutrition. There's a lot of different deals that you have to deal with as far as, you know, the African, African-American community. Is it affordable? Is the technology in a place right now that they can afford to go buy it and say, okay, this yeah, can so, make a difference? So if you have to go through the insurance company, it probably isn't because it's mm-hmm. because of the markups and everything right. else. But our insurance company, which we've started, we could talk about a little bit, um, you would actually get as a benefit. But mm-hmm. companies like Levels Health, you could get set up. It might cost you, I don't know what they're currently charging, maybe $99 a month mm-hmm. to get access to that technology. But that cost of that technology keeps dropping. And ultimately, it's going to be $35, $40 a month. Mm-hmm. We believe that it's worth the investment. So we started a health insurance company that provides that for mm-hmm. our members for pre-diabetic. Mm-hmm. That's like one of your benefits. You know, we don't ask you to pay for it separately. We right. want you to do it because if we're going to address the long-term consequences of healthcare, a cost, we need to get your blood sugar under control. Right. That's one, yeah. two, and three, mm-hmm. right? So what's the fastest way to do that? Obviously, dietary is huge. Muscle mass, tremendous. The people who have the highest muscle mass versus the people who have the lowest muscle mass live the most disease-free, lowest cancer risk, lowest diabetes risk, lowest amount of heart disease. Because as an orthopedic surgeon, I was always taught that muscle is something that you use when you locomote, right? When mm-hmm. you're walking around. Right. Turns out it is the largest paracrine organ in your body. What does that mean? An endocrine organ is like your pancreas because it makes insulin, right? Mm -hmm. But paracrine paracrine organs are things like your thyroid gland Mm -hmm. or or there are other glands that, you know, can can regulate your blood calcium. But what it turns out is your muscle, yeah, it does locomotion, but it has immense impacts on you in terms of brain health, lowering cholesterol, lowering blood sugar. When we get your muscle mass high enough and get you on the right diet, you won't ever be diabetic. All right, so mm, if, 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 you're a woman, if you're a woman out there and you didn't catch all of that, go back, rewind this, and when you say, ooh, I don't want to look bulky, just remember the healthiest thing that you can do is add muscle mass to your body mass index. Yeah, clarify, though, is there a dimi- diminishing return there? Is there too much muscle mass at a certain point that you get to, I would imagine? Don't what? worry, Ben, you're not there. <laughs> well, I, I'm just thinking about bodybuilders. <laughs> You know, we think of bodybuilders, I, I can think, I can name three right now that have died, died in their mid fifties, right? They're, yeah. Now there's a there's lot of a lot factors. I get it. There's a lot of environmental factors. There's a lot of factors. I get it. But I'm just saying, so, is so, there a point that you reach yeah. where it doesn't have that health benefit? So let's take bodybuilders, for instance, bodybuilders will keep their testosterone levels at, uh, you know, at doses that are way super physiologic, meaning off the chart normal, right? Mm. So there's a normal range of, of testosterone. Mm but they'll be two and three times that amount, okay? So that's not good because that accelerates the aging process. We Mm -hmm. know that. But we'd like you ideally, no matter what age you are, to be in the upper half, if not the upper quartile Mm -hmm. for your testosterone level because that will let you to put on the appropriate amount of muscle mass and not lose muscle. Mm -hmm. Because as people age, particularly males, they lose muscle. And Mm -hmm. we all know this, right? We've seen the guy pushing the grocery cart through the the store and he can barely hang on because mm-hmm. he has no muscle mass whatsoever, right? Right. Yeah. right? And yet we know that lack of muscle mass means he's probably not going to have very good bone density, mm-hmm. more prone to falls, more prone to – and here's the one thing most people don't know. The higher your muscle mass, more, the sharper your cognitive function. So we could take people with low cognitive function mm. or from early-stage dementia, put them into weight training, mm. and their 
cognitive process improves dramatically. I don't know, Dr. Cap. Yeah. I think I've proved that, that theory false. <laughs> well, so I would, but it's the whole meathead yeah. theory, right? <laughs> but so, but the thing about women though is that women can't bulk. I know they think they're going to bulk, but they can't. The, 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 say that well, louder that for not, the people in the back. They cannot. It's, it's true. It, it, depending on their diet. Now, anybody can bulk if you right. eat uncontrollable amounts right. of you know uh, protein and whatnot. Uh, but most women physiologically cannot bulk. They'll define, and there's no doubt. And so, by the way, women are the number one strength trainers in the U.S. today. Mm-hmm. Okay, they lift more weight than the guys do. Mm-hmm. They're in the gym hitting the weights harder than most of the guys are. Right. And we see this, right? Mm-hmm. We see this in all of ours. And they're there for a lot of reasons. One is obviously independence and getting healthy. Second thing is bone density. Yeah. They want to keep their bone density high. And uh, and quite frankly, we all know women are more disciplined than men anyway. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. just no, yeah. no two ways about that. I know my <laughs> wife would be happy to hear that because <laughs> that's my uh, the rap on me all the time. So, um, but no, I think, I think this is important because this idea that you, you don't have a lot of control is not correct. But what do we do with weight training? And one of the problems we have is that people don't understand. We talked about this genetics, right, and, and these genes of youth that get turned on and turned off. Well, in order for them to get turned on and turned off with the right interventions mm-hmm. in the right environment, you have to do it for six months. Yeah. Okay? That's the key. Mm-hmm. Epigenetic change, meaning turning those genes of youth on and off, don't happen in three weeks. So mm. it doesn't work from January 1st to January 23rd? Doesn't like you work. You can't accomplish those goals? <laughs> oh, you know, I've always I been know. taught, though. I mean, honestly, I've always been taught as you age, again, like you just mentioned it, but as you age, you're never going to build muscle mass. I've always heard that. I've never absolutely heard anything wrong. that could reverse that. No, it's absolutely wrong. Do 75 hard and, and tell me that's still the case. Well, I, think the, I, think there's, I think there's some <laughs> physiological things that change. Yeah, there are. So here's the thing. We know that if a male's uh, testosterone level is normal, okay, uh, in the upper half, okay, as he ages, uh, he can achieve about 94% of the lean body muscle mass that a 24-year-old can. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No physiologic reason wow. that you can't build muscle. Wow. As long as you've got the right amount of hormone, cursing through your blood because if you're if your testosterone's 100 i don't care how many times you're in the gym (laughs) you're not not going anywhere okay (laughs) that's a quick path downhill Mm -hmm. right so for males who haven't been tested and by the way there's a range okay so don't let your doctor say well you know you're in the normal range because the normal range by definition is a range so it's going to be low end (laughs) at 300 high end at 900 and he, you're at 320, clocking mm-hmm. at 320, and I don't feel good. Right. But you're in the normal range. Yeah. Well, you may be in the normal range for the population that was tested, but maybe not for your age group. Right. Right? And so I think the, the point is that, you know, you have to really be very specific, and you have to find physicians who really understand this field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look, it's not about blasting and cruising and giving guys total, you know, massive doses of testosterone. It's about bringing them back up to where they were when they were healthy. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then maintaining that so that they can do things like build muscle mass. Right. Yeah. And by the way, most people talk about testosterone and they go, oh, it's a muscle thing, right? Right. Well, it's not a muscle thing. It turns out it has more effect on your brain than it does your muscles. Mm. Okay. Because when, so we see this commonly with people with traumatic brain injury. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is very re- relevant to CT. Why are you looking at me? Why are you looking at me? <laughs> Why did you look at me, Doc? You didn't have to do that. Something about the, the 20, 50 years of abuse your body's taken, I'm not sure, but. Uh, 
No, but but you think about it. Uh, so um, you know, NFL players they deal with CTE. Mm-hmm. That is traumatic brain injury. It's a right. form of it, right? And we also know that people with severe traumatic brain injury, uh, when they they start to get depression, that's a big part of it. Mm-hmm. And quite commonly, and there's a big study being done by a friend of mine named Dr. Mark Gordon, and he's dealing with a lot of the Green Berets right now in special forces. Well, they get this traumatic brain blast, right? And so what happens? Your brain is like suspended inside your skull. And when you have that contusion to the to your brain, right, your brain literally moves inside your the, the, mm-hmm. the skull mm-hmm. and it hits a part what we call it tentorial membrane but the part of the brain that hits that is very responsible for releasing the factors that cause you know uh, uh you know testosterone to be formed in males mm-hmm. and if it gets damaged in any way shape or form these guys will come in and even though they've been on antidepressants we test their testosterone level and it's really low 100 mm-hmm. 150. Mm-hmm. we restore that back to a healthy number they're off their antidepressants they're off all this so there's a big mm-hmm. study being going on right now that Dr. Gordon's doing uh, with a lot of the veterans. And what mm. we're finding is traumatic brain injury is a big part of this. So that that is an issue because mm-hmm. that kind of gave us the first look into that testosterone is really a neural hormone. Mm-hmm. Now, you don't want to be super high, you know, but if you get into back into a normal range, and this is a normal treatment protocol now for people with early stage dementia, that's the first thing we look at. Is your testosterone level normal, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. as a male? Because we want it at a normal level. Because if it's not you're going to be more likely to be suffering. A from normal illness. level for that age group that you're in, right? I, I would tell you there is a normal age group uh, level, and we know what a healthy level is for mm-hmm. almost every single age group. Um, it, it's not that necessarily the range you may think. It may not be 1,200 like mm-hmm. it was when you were you know, 18 years old. Right. But we want you at probably anywhere between 500 and 800 mm-hmm. because it makes a big difference in terms of your neural function. It's in, mm-hmm. in, in women the same way. Yeah, right. I was going to ask women testosterone because I think it's a – maybe misnomer that it's like, all right, women, estrogen, men, testosterone, but the impact of testosterone on women talk through that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's dramatic as well. And so, you know, what, there have been lots of studies over the years and uh, you know, it's quite commonly taught still is in some circles that women should not do bioidentical hormones after menopause. I mean, they're just mm. not supposed to start them. And that's not true. You know, you, they need to be on for a minimum of at least 10 years. And there's a lot of evidence now saying they should be on them for longer. Mm-hmm. But a woman's estrogen levels will drop over time and her testosterone level will stay relatively constant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so the idea here, ultimately, for her to maintain healthy bone mass is we want her estrogen levels, and, and there are different types of estrogen one we'll get into here, but we want her healthy estrogen levels at a certain height because that helps promote bone uh, you know, bone, bone growth and right. also keeping the calcium in the bone. Mm-hmm. So when you see women as they've aged and they get brittle and they got osteoporosis and they get hip fractures and wrist fractures because their bone density is not there. It's largely because they don't have estrogen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the, the trick is to figure out how to mitigate that. And, and I can tell you, this is a very controversial area. Um, there's a lot of data on the front end, but mm-hmm. once again, most of the sick care system doesn't really understand how to optimize somebody's health. Mm-hmm. We're taught to fix you once again, when you're broken, right. we're not really taught to optimize every aspect of your health to keep you from breaking in the first place. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but it's very important for women because women, uh, estrogen is a neural hormone as well. Yeah. Talk as through, is progesterone. Yeah. So talk through, which is really interesting. And, and you mentioned, Hey, we're not taught to do this. Doctors are not treating them this way. Uh, but talk through why, right? Why, it, why are they taught certain things in medical school? And then the gap between 
what is taught in medical school and what is readily available to doctors. And then also, you know, really just, and, and this isn't, this isn't a knock on doctors. I mean, we're, we're talking to one right now, but really the survival mode and the environment for doctors, even just to make a living now and why it's just easier for them. And, and again, the information that's available, the treatment plans that are available, but why it's not being implemented. Yeah, so, so there are several reasons for that. But one of them is that when you go to medical school, you're trained in the sick care system, mm -hmm. right? You're trained to fix people when they break. Mm -hmm. So there's not a lot of attention. And my daughter is a fourth-year general surgery resident. So I just watched her go through a training program that was almost identical to mine 30 mm -hmm. years ago wow. with wow. very little difference. Okay. Mm, wow. And so, yeah, there's a robot in the corner now in the general surgical suite. But short of that, the way she's being trained, very similar to how I've been mm -hmm. trained. So what I would tell you is that there is a process inside medicine we call the clinical latency gap, meaning the time which technology is available and ready for prime time to the time it makes it into your doctor's office is anywhere between 15 and 17 years. Oh, geez. So by, by comparison, the iPhone today is like 13 or 14 years old. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. <clears throat> Most doctors have an iPhone in their pocket. Mm -hmm. yeah. And they yeah. make avail themselves of that technology, but it takes a really long time for technology to filter down through the ranks of the medical system, through the medical schools, through the residency programs. And then if your insurance company doesn't pay for it or Medicare doesn't pay for it, chances are your doctor hasn't even heard of it mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. there's not a sales rep to tell them about the latest pill procedure, you know, device. Right. So, you know, our mission at Fountain Life is to, convert all of healthcare from reactive to proactive. And one of the ways we're going to do that is to start to pay doctors to do prevention mm -hmm. the correct way using all the latest technology. And up until now, that really hasn't happened. Right. Um, it's no fault of the physicians today that they're not reimbursed for this. Mm -hmm. Because right now, the powers that be, quite frankly, look, I mean, and I have owned a group of hospitals, and I can tell you, the sicker you are, the more the system makes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm the sicker you are, the more pharmaceuticals you need, mm -hmm. okay? This should not be a race to the bottom where we try to, you know, figure out how many pills we could each take, right? Right. right. For every little symptom. And by the way, we lost that quarterback, right? So what is it? I mean, we all know an elderly parent or even maybe not elderly uh, who is on five, six, seven, ten medications. Right. Yep. Mm -hmm. And what do they say? Well, this one the heart doctor gave me, and this one the pulmonary doctor mm. gave me, and my brain doctor gave me this one and this, and they have no idea... <clears throat> And right. none of those doctors talk to each other. And then we have a poor primary care doctor in the middle trying to synthesize it all. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is almost an impossible task. And the reason I say it's impossible is because we're publishing close to 3,000 medical articles a day worldwide today. Mm -hmm. So if you think your doctor is on the latest <laughs> cutting edge of anything, <laughs> wow. it is impossible. It is a physically impossible task. On top of that, we've got the corporatization of medicine right? What does that mean? It means your doctor who is independent was trying to hang on for as long as they can finally get to a point that they can't do it anymore on their own. Mm -hmm. And so they get absorbed by a hospital system, right? And I understand how this happens. I understand the business behind it. But quite frankly, then you become part of a, the system, right? Mm -hmm. And the system, the reward for the doctor is based on a number of somewhat perverse incentives, right? Mm -hmm. It's uh, how many referrals you send downstream, you know, how many tests you uh -huh. order, I mean, these are all part of the system that we currently have. And that system's not going away anytime soon. So, mm -hmm. so we believe it's got to change. And I, and I saw something somewhere, and I don't even know, I don't know if it was you that told me or I saw it somewhere, the difference in salaries, the average salary of a physician or surgeon from 10 years ago to now or 15 years ago to now. 
I mean, there's a massive decrease in, in average income. So I, I would say, I don't know if the, the average income has gone down, but uh-huh. the, what the doctor gets paid for procedures okay. goes mm-hmm. down, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so when I graduated and it's like, I finished residency like 20, 25 years ago, you know, the average reimbursement for a, so a lot of people won't know this because you, you don't doctors don't, yeah. a lot of doctors yeah. don't know this, yeah. but Medicare might've paid you $2,800 or $3,000 to do a hip replacement. Mm-hmm. Today, that number in most parts of the country is closer to eleven or $1,200. Right. Wow. So what happens is the doctor is getting paid less and less to do the mm-hmm. same amount of work. So now he does more work, mm-hmm. right? And the incentives are built in. And not that we don't need to have people with a knee, knee, hip replacement, knee replacement, but the system is not designed to try to avoid the surgical procedure. Mm-hmm. The system's not tried to, uh, is not designed to try to avoid medications mm-hmm. and give you recommendations that could be every bit as good. Because right. we've got 80 to 90% of our medications that are out there today are largely symptom suppressive. They don't really address the root cause, mm-hmm. right? Right. Isn't that so true, though, with every part of society? <laughs> we Pretty treat much. the symptom and not yeah. the root cause. We I mean, that's, that's everything. Exactly. And, and so, that's what's so frustrating about it is we, we want to bitch and moan about the symptom, but we don't get to the root of it. Exactly. And I, but I think, I think we are at a really pivotal time, and, and we should talk about this a little bit, because COVID, as uh, bad as it has been, mm-hmm. and as many people have lost loved ones, uh, and I feel for them, um, it has actually exposed the entire healthcare system yeah, yes. for how weak it was. Mm. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. It exposed really how unhealthy the U.S. population is. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Yes. right? Mm-hmm. And where is that advice going to come from to get healthy again? Mm-hmm. Probably not coming from your insurance company. Mm-hmm. Right. Probably not coming from the hospital systems, right? Mm-hmm. Even though they have wellness programs and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I think that this is, only a, a, this is a job that can only really be tackled by big business, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. By employers, Mm. The burden, they carry most of the, the healthcare burden right now in the U.S. Mm. in terms of insured burden. Right. <clears throat> the government is the biggest payer, no doubt, mm-hmm. but it's the insurance companies, I mean, the uh, self-insured employers are the ones who carry most of the burden for health insurance. That's right. And they're actually in the one position to actually influence healthcare outcomes more than anybody else mm. because they can incent behavior with their employees. Right. And so we're excited because we've got some great partners uh, across the United States that are you know, helping us launch this, in, this insurance company, uh, where we'll be working with them for these continue their employees for continuous blood glucose mm-hmm. monitors. There's a, a great new technology called Grail, which is, uh, just got FDA approval recently. Uh, we're, we're happy to report we're the first health insurance company to yeah. make it a benefit. Mm-hmm. And so you don't have to pay for it out of pocket. Mm-hmm. We pay for it for you. And what it does is it allows us to take one sample of blood and we can screen you for 50 different types of cancer. Right. Wow. So it is a fantastic tool. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, there are other tools we can do for screening you for heart disease and whatnot that we make part of your benefit package. Now, right. when you say right. screen for cancer, like, okay, you've got it or you have traces of it at what level it, of detection? So right now we, we just get a signal that says, yeah. yes, you are positive or you're not. And what kind of cancer it is. Okay. Oh, we can tell from that. your, from okay. your blood. Yeah. With 99% accuracy, okay. what type of cancer? So we went through, I just want to put it out there, we went through the grail test. Tyler and I went through that. And I didn't know it, it would actually define what type of cancer it would be. It will define exactly what cancer. So how does it work? It works. So I don't know if you all remember, 20 years ago was when we roughly, we sequenced the first human genome, mm-hmm. right? It was like mm-hmm. a really big deal. You know, they had a big ceremony at the White House, and <clears throat> Dr. Venter, uh, who was part of that team, you know, took credit and was up there and, you know, was with the, the president at the time. 
it cost at that time 300 to 400 million dollars to sequence one genome. <laughs> Today we can do it for about a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars. <laughs> okay. Huge improvement oh, wow. in technology. Yeah. So what does that mean? That means that it's called next generation sequencing and that technology that we used to sequence the whole human genome turns out that every single cancer that has access to your bloodstream, if you have a good blood supply to that cancer, will release little pieces of DNA into your bloodstream. Mm. And it's those pieces of DNA that we can pick up with this advanced next generation sequencing for genome and actually then detect, because that signature, that genetic signature is very specific to that type of cancer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that if you have a positive signal in your body, then we're going to know it. And so we've had a lot of clients recently go through uh, since we've made this part of our uh, part of our process about nine months ago. And we have people that come in and they get a positive signal and we scan them. We do a whole body MRI and we can't find anything. Mm -hmm. So for instance, we know it came from their kidney and it's kidney cancer, but we scan the kidneys and there's nothing there, which wow. means it's catching it at such an early wow. stage. Yeah. So now we just watch it until we see that we can treat it. And then there's new cellular technology that will hopefully be released in a couple of years where we're just going to give you a natural killer cell infusion mm. that will probably go in and take care of that cancer anyway. Jeez because ultimately, Lord. you know, as you age, you want to keep your immune system as high as you can because the cells of your immune system are what fight cancer uh -huh. and what fight aging. Mm. And so the higher we can get that, the better. So, yeah, give us a few pointers on how we keep our immune system healthy and strong. If somebody's just like, just act like we're all dumb and nobody knows anything, what are some daily habits we can employ that... So the best, obviously, uh, number one thing, bar none, is sleep, okay? And we talk, don't talk about sleep enough, right. but you need to have a solid sleep cycle. And I'd so, like to take a pause to yeah. mention yeah. Our yeah. Sleep, sleep number, number <laughs> and uh, get your sleep number bed. And, uh, <laughs> Thank you, Doc. For, uh, for, nice. We didn't even pay for that. <laughs> Teed us up nicely for that one. <laughs> I want to take a quick break and thank our partners, Sleep Number, and highlight a couple of things they're doing. Guys, these Sleep Number beds are unreal. The technology that they've created, the feedback that it gives you on your sleep. I've got the app opened up right here. They tell you things like your heart rate, your heart rate variability, your breathing rate, all these type uh, metrics and feedback to give you so that you can improve your quality of sleep. They're all over the place. You can go and check yourself out at Sleep Number store wherever you live. Go to sleepnumber.com as well. They've got great resources on there. We just talked about this not too long ago. They have a whole blog section, all these articles, things that you can improve your health. Sleep Number is definitely changing the game when it comes to betting. So get yourself to Sleep Number, get yourself to sleepnumber.com and check them out. Now back to the episode. So there are lots of ways to measure it, but you need to get sleep because eight hours we used to, you know, look, I, I was, I was an orthopedic resident and I used to say to all my underlings, you can sleep when you're dead. Mm. Oh, well, yeah. that's exactly right. Oh, I get yeah. hell. That's exactly, no, exactly. You know what? I get, I get hell for saying that. I've, yeah. had, I've gotten hell for saying that. Yeah. I'm sure. So, but I think that ultimately it's sleep. That's number right. one, because yeah. that, that basically it's a, while you're going through your different sleep cycles, Think of that as like a rinse wash cycle for your mm -hmm. brain, mm -hmm. right? It's really important. But more importantly, it lets your body restore itself <clears throat> so that your immune system doesn't go down. Exercise is absolutely vital. Mm -hmm. Strength training, cardio, pick which one you want, mix it. Doesn't really matter. We like strength better than cardio. We think the data uh, right. is much more beneficial. I love than you strength. so much. You just, you you just justified that. him not running <laughs> for the next God. six months. I, know, I haven't done cardio in 10 years because of that statement right there. <laughs> 
Take full credit. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe responsibility. Yeah. So, um, but we think that that's really important. Nutrition, extremely right. important, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that there's any hard data right now that say uh, you should be, you know, plant-based versus vegan versus whatnot. I think there's lots of opinions on that, and I really don't want to wade into that. But I will tell you, as much natural food sources as you can. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. Good. Stay away from processed. If it's in a box, don't eat it. Right. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the core, I think, that you can do. Uh, there are vitamins, right? So one of the things you need to check, you need to check what your vitamin D level is. So mm-hmm. we talk about vitamin D all the time. Hey, I'm no longer deficient. I'm oh, good. he's deficient. He's deficient. I always tell him he's the whitest white guy I know, man. No, yeah, but that's actually a good point because it yeah. goes along with what we're talking about. So two years ago, I went and got my blood drawn, found out I was vitamin D deficient. Yeah. First thing the doctor says is, hey, you need to start supplementing. Didn't mention anything about getting outside. Didn't mention any lifestyle changes. So you need to start supplementing. So I decided to supplement, but also start getting outside daily. 10 to 15 minutes, whatever. And now I'm happy to report I'm no longer deficient. But it goes along with what you're saying. His first thought was, hey, take a pill for it, yeah. not change your lifestyle. Yeah. So I think, you know, in, in his defense, uh, there are a lot of people, if you're of European origin, you know, mm-hmm. uh, genetically, uh, you're going to be genetically deficient in vitamin D. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. It is, we've seen, I, I have it. Okay. So I have to supplement. Uh, okay. Okay. And it doesn't so the 7% matter. actually makes a huge difference here. Correct. And gotcha. so if I go out, I can lay in the sun. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. My levels aren't going up by themselves. And why, why am I interested in vitamin D? We really shouldn't even call vitamin D uh, a vitamin. It's not really, it's a pro hormone, but what it is, it becomes a precursor and it has a huge impact on immunity. Okay, mm, mm-hmm. so we want a high vitamin D level because it impacts all of your immune cells, and that's very critical. Mm-hmm. Well, didn't so, they have a correlation between low vitamin D levels and COVID and the, the effects that it had on? Right. So what did COVID tell us? COVID basically attacked, unfortunately, the weakest in the society from an immunity perspective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right. So mm-hmm. we know that after age 60, roughly 60, 62, Dr. Greg Fahey's work out of Stanford, that about age 60, 62, this thing that's right, you know, at the lower part of your throat here called the thymus gland pretty much quits working. And that's what makes a lot of your immune cells. Okay. Mm. And so Mm. when that drops off, that's what do we start seeing? We start seeing a rise in cancers. We start Mm. seeing more susceptibility to COVID, more susceptibility infections, things of this nature. Um, Who else gets uh, impaired immunity? People with diabetes, so who else got hit by COVID? Mm-hmm. Diabetics, yeah. right? Yeah. Who yeah. else? What else impairs your immunity? Obesity mm-hmm. impairs mm-hmm. your immunity because of all the inflammatory factors that happen from fat cells. So the point being is if lifestyle is tremendous, but you got to get normal body weight, mm-hmm. okay? That's critical. Get your muscle mass up. Do your strength training. Mm-hmm. Take your vitamin D supplement if you're deficient. And you can do a 23andMe and find out if you have a genetic deficiency. It's really mm. easy to find mm-hmm. out. And, and other, some, some companies will just provide that. That's kind of our standard screening. Mm-hmm. But I think that those are all important things. And then as we move forward in the future, I think there's going to be ways to start. And we're already looking at some technology to be able to boost your growth hormone levels naturally mm-hmm. so that you can then, because we know growth hormone has a direct correlation to immunity as well. Right. Huh. And we want to keep that high. Yeah. So, so let's, let's go into Fountain Life and, and the story behind that. The, the connection between the founders and how that got started and the mission and then also into Fountain Health. Sure. Well, so um, I'm very uh, honored and humbled to be the CEO of Fountain Life. So uh, I was rocking along in my sick care world pretty happy, you know, mm-hmm. attending hospitals and whatnot. And we do a great job at our hospitals. 
But uh, it was about four years ago that I kind of gave this pivotal re realization that with the technology coming, we really need to be on the front end of the power curve versus the back end. So we formed a group at that time. It was a hospital or a company uh, that wasn't even a spinoff. It was a separate company uh, called Longevity Performance Centers. And we started looking at how to use technology to do that. Mm -hmm. And uh, Tony Robbins and Peter Diamandis mm -hmm. and Bob Hariri uh, all approached us at the time because they had heard what we were doing. They had a series of stem cell clinics they were working on overseas. And they said, you guys are doing exactly what we want to do. Can we form a partnership? Mm -hmm. And so uh, we met Tony almost two years ago today. Mm -hmm. uh, he came over. Uh, uh, we were in Naples, Florida, and he came over from Miami. And uh, he and Peter uh, came in, and we had a massive meeting. And, you know, Tony, I mean, yeah. larger than life. And, and it literally one of the best uh, people I know. Mm -hmm. And and everything you see about him is real. Mm -hmm. He's as genuine as it gets, and he just wants to help humanity. That's his one, two, and three goal, and that's what he lives mm -hmm. every single day. But he came in, and he said, we need to start this Found Life. So we started – uh, we put together a group, uh, including uh, Matt Burnett, Dr. George Sapiro, uh, myself, um, uh, Bob Hariri, and, mm -hmm. and several others. And we formed this company called Fountain Life. And we, the goal of Fountain Life is to change healthcare from mm -hmm. reactive to proactive. Mm -hmm. And we do that through a series of centers that we're setting up in the United States. And we'll be opening one here in Dallas in the summer. Uh, and then we also have a data infrastructure, which is really critical, right? Mm -hmm. So we are about to launch an app that'll basically show you a picture of your health anytime you want to see it, mm -hmm. right? Mm. So the, the diagnostic tests that we do at right. Fountain, and we should talk about those because some of these tests your doctor probably doesn't know about, right. but they're FDA approved. And once again, that because of that clinical latency gap, it may take a little while for it to filter through. Right. But this idea of using uh, this advanced technology to detect disease and then start to reverse it is kind of where we are. And, and it's very—it's not intrusive at all. I mean, we went through this this process. So can you can we talk about that diagnosis? Sure, test? absolutely. So, so we do uh, genetic testing mm -hmm. on everybody because we want to know what kind of what your baseline is and what you're at risk for. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we also do a test called the coronary CT angiography. Okay, really fancy term. It's a tool that's been around for a long time, CT angiography, where we put a little dye in your vein and then we take a quick CAT scan of your heart. Mm -hmm. And then instead of having your doctor read it with the human eye, we have a computer, an artificial intelligence algorithm that reads this. So this technology was pioneered by Dr. James Min uh, at, at uh, Cornell. And what's fascinating about it is for the very first time, we can show you exactly what the status of your coronary arteries is mm -hmm. as an outpatient. So we used to only get this information at autopsy, right? Which is not a good idea, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But now we can actually see what kind of plaque you have, where it is, and how severe it is. And then is it stable or unstable? So a lot of people have talked about, uh, you know, getting a, a calcium scan, like mm -hmm. they get a coronary calcium scan. But the data right now shows there's probably zero predictive capability with cardiovascular, mm -hmm. with that. And so we believe this is the first test. And Dr. Rick Chazal, who was the former uh, chief of uh, cardiology at, uh, with the American College of Cardiology, he was the president, says this is a pivotal change in how we're going to screen for heart disease because it's still the number one killer in the United States, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? right? And it doesn't matter what tests we've done over the last 30, 40 years, we haven't made much of a dent right. in that. Right. So for the first time now, we can show you what your coronaries look like and then we can reverse it, mm -hmm. right? Or show you techniques to certainly slow the stage. And once again, if you have advanced heart disease and you're asymptomatic, 
you want to get it treated now right. in elective basis then mm-hmm. rather than have that unfortunate fatal heart attack yeah right you know yeah. or don't get to the emergency room time or you get to the emergency room and now they're doing a big procedure so we do that test the other test we do is whole body mri mm-hmm. where we do ten thousand scans head to toe and that picks up everything from cancer to visceral fat to looking at all kinds of different things in the body and a lot of people think that that's just overkill but i will tell you that uh, we have about a point probably a one percent false positive rate which mm. is good that means that only one percent of the time are we going to say you've got something going on when when you really don't right, right? So right. that's very low because Cologuard, mm-hmm. which is the other thing that people use a lot of times, has about a 10% false positive rate. Oh, wow. Okay. Do the bone density test as well, right? We do the bone density test um, where we look at all your muscle mass and your bone mm-hmm. density. Then we also look at, um, uh, we do the Grail test. The Grail test, right? Yep. Which is yep. important. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we do a lot of advanced blood biomarkers that you're not going to get at a standard doctor's office, right? Mm-hmm. And then the, 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 what rounds this all out is we also look at your gut health, right? Yeah. So you've got 80 trillion cells in your body but you got 10 times as many bacteria in your gut, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And those bacteria have a huge impact on your health. Yep. And so we can analyze that uh, by, um, you know, doing a, a stool sample, and then we analyze the, the bacteria in your gut, and then we can tell you whether it's healthy or unhealthy, mm-hmm. and then how do we make that healthy again? Because there's a lot of correlations with gut health yeah. in the rest right. of your body. Yeah. Right. So what we do is all this data goes in a one big massive data algorithm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what's crazy is so we went through this and, you know, this was our first time, so essentially setting that baseline. Mm-hmm. But the greatest thing about Fountain Life and what they do is, okay, now we're on your wellness journey all the mm-hmm. way through. So as you mentioned, having your health now on your phone, monitor, see where I'm at, what I'm doing, mm-hmm. technology that continues to come out um, to, to say, okay, in real time, I can see what it is, even connecting with my physicians and my doctors that can right. guide me through this journey. Mm-hmm. Now it's, okay, instead of when I feel really bad, or when I know that I'm sick and disease has already attached itself to me, now it's, okay, hey, I'm walking, I'm seeing trends go a certain way, now we're going. But that first, that that initial baseline, and then again, congregating all this data to mm-hmm. say, okay, hey, we're learning more and more from an art, artificial intelligence standpoint. And now your journey is, okay, hey, we're, this is not just, I go when I'm sick, mm-hmm. it's, hey, I'm being proactive about it. Is, is it like an annual thing that you do every six months? What, how often do you so, do this? So it depends on the results of your test, but we believe you should have a whole body MRI once a year. Okay. okay. Uh, we believe that obviously your blood biomarkers need to be done. We think quarterly, probably depending on which ones are need to be adjusted over time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what this, I mean, it's not an inexpensive evaluation, um, mm-hmm. but we, that's why we started the insurance company yeah. mm-hmm. because we can make this available as part of your benefit of your yeah. insurance. Mm-hmm. So, our goal is not to make this the healthcare platform for the, you know, the, the super privileged. Mm-hmm. The goal is to test this technology inside our Fountain Life Centers to determine what goes into the insurance company. Mm-hmm. And our goal ultimately is not necessarily to be the biggest insurance company in the world. Right. We just want all the other insurance companies to change their game. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. To go from being reactive to proactive. Right. So you know, Elon Musk never expected to make every electric car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He just wanted everybody else to make one. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so 20 years later, everybody's making electric cars, yeah. right? Right. This is the biggest issue in the United States economically that we're facing as a nation. I know we're talking about the recession, and, and mm-hmm. that's, that's not good. But it's a $4.5 trillion spend in the United States. It's close to 20% of GDP now mm. in climbing, okay? Mm. So that means uh, lack of financial security for the average family – 50% of bankruptcies in the United States are due to medical cost. Wow. Right? right. And yet we're not addressing the problem head on. 
all we address the problem with is increased increasing in, uh, insurance premiums, higher hospital bills. Right. This isn't the fault of the doctors. This is just a system that's gotten a little out of control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, if we don't stop the disease or detect it from happening early, mm-hmm. then we won't be able to afford the alternative. And the alternative is we will ration care. Mm-hmm. People will be denied services. We, we've seen this play out in every single you know, socialized health system in the country, in the world. Right, right. It, it looks good for the first few years, and everybody gets access to health care. But then over time, the rationing begins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yet we're still not addressing the root cause, right? What is it that started it in the first place and how did we catch it early? I go back to the aviation analogy. We wouldn't tolerate jumbo jets going down. That's right. That's right. Right. We would say, why didn't you do the maintenance on these? Mm -hmm. Why didn't you do the checks? Right. But yet, you know, we have jumbo jets going down all the time. Mm -hmm. If you look at the number of people that die unnecessarily, I mean, we have 90% of the people in the United States today that are on dialysis because of either high blood pressure or diabetes, mm, mm. So, both of which are totally either treatable or potentially cured. So we're we're really big about wellness. Um, you know, we want to encourage uh, our community to attack it on the front end, and, and everything that we're doing, whether it talks about physical health, mental health, and, and we want to do that. This is Fountain Life and Fountain Health. Um, are on the are on the forefront they're on they are on the battle lines right right. now out there like pleading with our culture to say hey look let's look at this differently and if we can get if we can continue to make progress the system has to change and the system does have to change so dr cap how can our listeners get more information on Fountain Life, more information on just, you know, overall wellness that, that can help them in their health journey? Sure. So, so one thing I would tell you is if you haven't read the book Life Force, mm. you should read it. it. Tony Robbins and Peter Diamandis and Bob Ruri just uh, wrote this book. It's a bestseller. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it literally profiles a lot of the technology we use in Fountain Life and other things you've never heard of. Mm-hmm. So Tony interviewed 150 of the top researchers, doctors, scientists in the world, similar like he did for his Money Mastery book right. a few years ago. All the proceeds were given to charity or given to labs that are doing some of this amazing work. And um, that book came out a little over two months ago, uh, and it has had an enormous mm-hmm. readership mm-hmm. Yeah. worldwide. Yeah. And we track our referrals that come into our Fountain Life Centers. And literally, when I say worldwide, I'm, we're talking tens of thousands of you know hits on the website, Ten, and, and when we look at the map, it's every country in the world. Oh, yeah. wow. That's awesome. I mean, it's, it's yeah. really been amazing. It's starting the discussion process, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So you have to get educated, mm-hmm. number one. Um, secondly, I can tell you uh, with 100% certainty, some people will listen to what we've been talking about, and they'll go talk to their doctor. Absolutely. Yeah. And, it, yeah. and it will be no fault of the doctors, mm-hmm. but he will say, I don't know why anybody would possibly go looking for things. Or, or why are you doing a whole body MRI? You're just going to find things. Right. Right. True story. I kid you know, I've had this told to me multiple times. And it's not really the doctor's fault because in the early stages of this technology, there were a lot of false positives, mm-hmm. meaning that we were going down the rabbit hole doing biopsies and stuff because this technology is about 20 to 30 years old. And some guys finished training 30 years ago and they remember the bad days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they don't remember the fact that all this technology is exponential, right? Yeah. Meaning that every year 
the capacity doubles and the cost halves. Mm -hmm. So now technology that would, you know, with artificial intelligence reading the scans and, and they read better than the radiologists do. Right. Now. Yeah. Uh -huh. and, and this technology is here to stay. It's not going anywhere. So a lot of doctors will be down on this. And, um, you know, generally we tend to be down on what we're not up on. That's right. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. So, so true. just important to remember that haters go hate. <laughs> haters go hate. <laughs> yeah. But but at the at the minimum, you know, you can get the Life Force book. There are all kinds of recommendations in there about supplements you should be on. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can go to the Fountain Life website and see what we do. Uh, that we have a companion company. It's not ours, but it's a sister company that Tony started called Life Force. Mm -hmm. And there's information in there about lifeforce.com. But the point is, is you, you have to decide to be CEO of your own health. Yeah. Mm. Nobody's going to do uh, it for you. That's great. You have yeah. to decide that's that. That's strong. Yeah. And once that you become is, that. Yes, that is so strong. And again, Tyler and I went to the program, and I'm telling you, it was as easy as the VIP process. We got in and got out. And, you know, there's, there's so many follow-ups. I want to talk personally here because there's so many follow-ups that I just, we, you and I need to have conversations on. with. But I can tell you this. It's one thing to just allow people to tell you what to do. But when you're armed with really good information, your life changes. Because now I can I have a plan. I can put the plan in place. And it's my own custom plan. It's not Tyler's plan. It's mm -hmm. not Ben's plan. It's my custom plan. That's and that's when yeah. success, success yeah, and comes and, in. And I'll add to that in that what, what you mentioned is like, or why are you going to look at it? You're just going to find something. I mean, that's, that's a real thought process. Yeah. Coming out of playing football for, yeah. you know, I, I obviously didn't play as long as Darren. But coming out of it, I'm like, I'm going to find something. There's going to be something in there yeah. that, that I'm just nervous. I'm okay right now. And I'm, I'm nervous to actually address it, find mm -hmm. it. And to, to actually get over that hump, go through the process, go through the screening, dig yeah. into my health. Mm -hmm. That was literally, it was last April that we went. My health has completely changed since. Yeah. Completely changed. Because now I have the confidence. Okay, now the foundation that I'm working off of, I know it. I know what it is. I know that there's some areas that I'm deficient in. Like, you know, I've got some gut issues that, like you mentioned. By the way... Uh, taking a number two in a box and sending it in the mail is, is a new experience, <laughs> by the way. You send it in the mail? Yes. In the mail. yes. You didn't hand deliver it? <laughs> they brought this big old box in. Actually, they dropped this big box hey, in. Actually, <laughs> actually this dinosaur they, have, they have two really good assistants. Named, there's two guys named Tobin and Sean there. They, they, they just helped you through the whole process. They just took the sample for me, and then they, they took care of it. That's, that's what it's better to give. That receive. I can tell you that much. For sure. This Tyrannosaurus yeah. Rex is shit in the box. Yeah, we gotta, we gotta go through this. And I had made sure I had plenty of protein on my diet. Enough to that. But, but in all seriousness, going through this process gave me the confidence to, okay, here's where I'm at, right? And I started taking notice of, okay, what does my recovery look like with, with, uh, the doctor that worked with me there, I mean, honestly, walking me through, okay, hey, how much sleep is important to you? So now I'm, I've got the whoop strap and I'm, I'm following my sleep and making sure that I'm there and my nutrition, I'm on top of that. And it has just been a game changer for me. One, just to know and peace of mind, most of all, but then two, also just saying, all right, now I know where I'm at. Now I know where I need to go and I can figure out ways mm -hmm. right now to monitor mm -hmm. the, the small victories along the way. And it's not just, hey, I'm I'm checking in when I don't feel good again. Right. So I, I just want to thank you uh, for, for me and my family, especially just for 
exposing us to that and giving us the information that, that has allowed me and then my wife to follow too. Like my wife is a completely different person today than she was a year and a half ago. And not that she was in a bad place, but I mean, just health conscious and understanding where we're at yeah. and excited about the future. Yeah. So thank you. So, yeah. And I'll just say, you know, Tony always says, um, you know, uh, a person, you know, it, the average person today potentially has a thousand dreams, mm -hmm. but a person who's sick has one dream mm -hmm. just to be well. Yeah. And yet we have the tools now to detect disease or avoid you from developing it in the first place. And our goal is not to just live a really long life, mm -hmm. but to live a really long, robust life. That's right. Right. Yes. Yeah. We don't think you should spend the last 10 to 15% of your life in decline. And there is no scientific reason for that to happen today. Mm-hmm. You know, if we can optimize you, we should be able to optimize you well into your 90s, if not beyond. And, and really, we didn't talk on it very much, but the technology is coming from Dr. Church's lab and Dr. Mm -hmm. Sinclair's lab, probably, and they will tell you, with somewhere between the next 10 to 15 years, we will start to conquer the aging process. Yeah, I heard an interview coming. with Dr. Sinclair, and he was talking about living into your 120s, mm -hmm. well, living well into your living 120s, well. yeah. not just living to it, but actually thriving into your 120s. Yeah, and, and not mm. looking like you're 120. Right. Right. I mean, really? that's the other part of this. It's, it's, it's actually, and, and so there was actually, because I know uh, Bob and Peter were at the Vatican and the whole uh, question came up, how many people lived to 120? And nobody's hand went up. Mm. Right. right. It says in the Bible, right? Yeah, right. you should not live past 120. But then they said, well, what if you could feel like you do now and live to 120 and like all the hands went up? Oh, yeah. Mm. yeah. Right. Mm. So yeah. There's, a, there's a point at which you have to, you have to understand that I think, you know, it's not a question of how long you're going to live, but having an optimal quality of life yeah. as uh, long as you can mm -hmm. possibly That's can. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's and awesome. avoid the nursing homes and the skilled nursing yeah. homes and all of that. Yeah. 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 Well, Dr. Cap, thank you so much for your yeah. time. I know you've got a crazy, crazy schedule. We're just appreciative that you chose to spend some of your time with us and, and share this information. So, again, look up Fountain Life. Uh, look up uh, Tony Robbins' book. Yep. It's, it's going to change, and I've had, I've had dozens of people uh, come up to me knowing, knowing that I know y'all and um, ask me about it and like, oh my gosh, did you read this? This is crazy. So uh, incredible tool. It's a great place to start and there's just so much more to learn. Yeah. So thank, thank you for you. having me guys. Yeah, appreciate it. It's a lot of fun. Appreciate it. Appreciate it.